0: Welcome to Desert City Church's podcast. Thanks for listening in. What you are about to hear is a sermon given live at one of our Sunday gatherings. We are a new church serving neighborhoods on the edge of North Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. Our sermons are ongoing conversations around a sacred text or scripture in which we find the story of Jesus. We hope they inspire you to love God and others more. If we can serve you in any way or answer any questions about our community, please don't hesitate to ask. You can find out more information at DesertCityChurch.com. It is so good to be here with you. Um, thank you, Jared, for allowing the old man to come up and say a few things. I just want to, before we, we go too farther, is just let you know how much we love you as a church and how encouraged we are at what is happening here, what God's doing in your life and what God's doing in this church. And um, we pray for you constantly that, that God will continue to, to bless you and to, to grow you together as a body. So thank you for your faithfulness. You, you don't know how exciting it is until you're gonna look back. We planted a church 20-some years ago, and, and this, I, I've gotta tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy for the pastors. It's not easy for the people. But here's one thing, because I've pastored traditional churches that have existed for a while as well. You'll see God work in a new church plant like you you just don't see anywhere else. You'll see him actively coming in, sometimes just just to help you survive, sometimes just to help you keep on from one week to the next. Sometimes, though, he, he just reminds you in these spectacular ways that he's in control, that he's alive, and he's in your midst. And so if you can hang in there and you ride this roller coaster you'll be some downs, but the downs are pretty low at times, but the ups are higher than you'll find at any other time. And you'll know this, God's faithful. And you'll look back to these days and you'll go, remember when we just got together in this little school? And, it was, and, it, and it's, it's good stuff. So, blessings to you on that. Right now in, in this t- stage of my life um, I'm called a state pastor for our little tribe of churches. We have like 26 churches that are uh, in, our, in our little group. And um, I, I pastored the pastor, so I've traveled a lot. And um, this is our favorite place, though, because our grandkids are here, and you are here. But um, one thing for some of you, I don't know, do you guys know who John McLaughlin is? You know the singer-songwriter John McLaughlin? Yeah. He's going to be here February 12th. We're having a service that's kind of a, a time for our group of churches to come together. We're going to have a guy who, who used to be a, 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 a um, seminary dean that's gonna speak, and John McLaughlin's his son-in-law, and he's gonna sing for 30, 30 40 minutes, whatever. So if you wanna hear John Free, um, February 12th, it's over on 7th Street in Missouri, and uh, Jerry could tell you more about it on, I think it's six o'clock at night. So, uh, you've been going through sacred rhythms. Here's an Old Testament Bible story that came to my mind as I listened to, to some of the messages with these rhythms that you've been talking about. I want you to go back a couple thousand years to, uh, to Moses. Moses is 80 years old, so he's got kind of squinty eyes now, kind of cataracts that are kind of hanging from being in the desert sun. But one day, all of a sudden, his eyes just spring wide open. And he's being whispered to from a scout who has noticed off in the distance on this plane Thousands of Amalekites coming, the army of the Amalekites coming. And and Moses is trying to see them off in the distance. It's like a storm brewing in the desert. You can see the lightning glistening of their swords and their spears. You can can see their archers that are kind of like this dark cloud getting ready to to launch these these arrows at the Israelites. And as he's watching this, he's going, oh my goodness. Really? I I can't believe this. This is going to be an old-fashioned massacre. I mean, I'm looking at my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids or whatever. They're not going to live. They're not going to live through the day once these Amalekites get here. There's going to be tens of there's going to be hundreds of thousands of casualties under my leadership when these guys get here. And so he has to snap into action. He's trying to figure out what to do, and he calls his three most trusted friends and, and leaders and he starts to divvy out instructions here comes Joshua and he says Joshua I need you to sound the cry of battle and to muster all the army together that you can and you need as soon as the break of day comes tomorrow you need to meet these guys head-on and fight them and Joshua who's known for optimism and courage just kind of salutes him and says we're there no problem Moses had to be shaking his head going no there's no way we, we are no more ready for a fight We have, our soldiers are so weak. This is going to be a slaughter, but Joshua's the guy, so you go do that. Then he looks at his 83-year-old brother, Aaron, and his octogenarian brother-in-law, her, and he says, I'll tell you what, the first thing in the morning, we're going to climb that hill. You join me, and we're going to do what we need to do to get this done. Are you familiar with this story at all? You know what happens when they get up to the mountain? Do they, do they look like generals and they strategize this battle from a distance and figure out how they're going to bark out orders? Or, or do they get ready to throw rocks down the hill on, onto the Amalekite soldiers? Or, or do they just stand there and curse the enemy? No, they do something very interesting. They do something that every two-year-old has learned in times of trouble. They raise their hands up and ask God for help. They ask just like a two-year-old says, "Help, Mom, Dad, help!" You know, our little grandkids, I, every one of them, they'll raise it. You don't, they don't want to—they don't want to touch your hand. They don't want to hold their hand while you're walking, but they get a little bit frightened. You know, those hands come up, or they get tired. Uh, Eze used to always come around, going, "Hold you, hold you, hold you. Oh, you want me? To, you want to hold me, Ezzy? You're tired. Hold you." I think that's going to be a little difficult for you, but he's—he's he's ready to be held up because you know, when those hands come, I need help. I need help. Here's Aaron. Here's her, and here's Moses up on this hill. Bloodthirsty soldiers coming after them. And they have one thing to do. We need supernatural help. And their hands go up to God. Now I'm going to read in in Exodus, the 17th chapter, this account in just a minute. But before I do that, let me just remind you of what Jesus said when He he came here and he, He kind of looked around at the broken people and the weary people and the the tired people and the confused people. He looked around at at these people gathered, and he just basically said this, you know what, you guys need to learn how to pray more. You need to learn how to ask for help. And he starts to lay out the most incredible privilege for all of humankind, that we, when we need God, can simply ask. We can go right to the throne of heaven and talk to him. It's unbelievable. Jesus just said this, You need to ask. And you need to seek. And you need to knock. In fact, in that Matthew 5, chapter 5, it's it's like you need to ask and keep on asking. You need to seek and keep on seeking. You need to knock and keep on knocking. And I I look at you, and and most of you are are young, you're you're raising your families, or you are getting ready to do that? And I would just tell you, One of the best things you can do, we talk about a sacred rhythm, one of the best things you can do is to ratchet up the prayers. Some of you that are older, like some of us, it doesn't get any easier when we get older, does it? You need to ratchet up the prayers. As a church, you need to ratchet up the prayers. Just just think about this. Is there anything you can think of in your life right now? Anything that, that you could just ask God to help with? I mean, has that even come in your mind? Or are you just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through this on my own? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise these, we're gonna raise these children on our own, we're gonna I'm, gonna I'm gonna get through this job. I'm gonna Do you ever just think God's waiting for you to ask for help? Isn't that amazing? You need some wisdom, you need some guidance that he says if you would seek guidance, heaven's guidance, heaven's wisdom is available to you if you just ask it. You need any doors open? If you would just knock, God can open doors. It's an unbelievable thing. In fact, you're going to find that as a church, God's going to have to open some doors for you. You're not going to be able to meet in a school forever. There's another another level that you're going to have to go to. And and on your own, you're probably not going to be able to handle it. But if you ask God, he's he's going to open doors. Start knocking. Jesus said, would you just ask, seek, knock. It's an unbelievable thing. So here's Moses and Her. If you have your Bibles, you can look at these, the scripture with me. I think it's up on the screen as well. Starting in verse eight of chapter 17 of Exodus, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, "Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands." And so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Her went to the top of the hill. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Verse 11. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So here he is, like a two year old. Help! Help, God! Help! When it goes down, the tide of the battle changes. I wonder how long it took for them to make the connection. Hands up, winning. Hands down, losing. I mean, they start early in the day. Moses is fresh. He's ready to go. He's 80 years old, but he's, I got my hands up. Help, God, help. And the battle's going good. The tide of the battle's going well. And then maybe somewhere along the line, he takes a coffee break, answer a few emails. And all of a sudden, as you know, he just, Aaron and her are kind of going, look, ooh, things are getting kind of bad out there. in this then Moses comes back, hands back up. Was that coincidence or what? But it looked kind of bad there for a while. Now it's good. Maybe it was about lunchtime that her kind of saddles up to Moses and says, Hey, Moses, why don't you take a short lunch break? I mean, eat quick and kind of don't even go dessert. Because we have a theory here that when your hands are up, things are going well. Your hands go down, not so well. Sure enough, Moses is chomping on his whatever he's chomping on, I don't know, bologna sandwich. <laughs> and, um, and things aren't going well. If I get back at it again, I don't know when they finally connected that, but it's very interesting to me. I love the image of this, the the metaphorical image of, of the difference in our life when our hands are up, seeking God, asking God's help, versus when our hands are down going, you know, I can handle this on my own. I love the image of that because I've been there, and I think many of you have as well. I can think of seasons in my life when my hands were up, and I'm praying for to God to help. I'm waiting expectantly, I'm asking frequently and fervently for God's help. There are times when, when, I, when I know unless God intervenes, we're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I, I know that if I just continue this, this route, I'm, I'm going I'm to be all right. And and I, I got to tell you, it's not like there's no trials, no challenges, and. There's no problems in life. But there's just something that happens in in my life that I recognize when when I'm seeking God with all that I have, when I'm asking and I'm knocking and I'm I'm coming to Him with boldness and expectancy that the goodness and the grace of God's going to come, that that He favors me, that He anoints me, that He blesses, that there's there's a certain power, there's a certain presence that sometimes in spite of the circumstances, sometimes the circumstances do not change. But his presence is with me. And and the tide of the battle that I'm going through goes in his favor as long as my, my hands are up and I'm seeking him. Have you been there? Maybe you're reading scripture or you, you've come to church or you're listening to music, worship music, or you've you've gone to a small group or whatever, and you know you you have an appointment, you have an interview, and and you're God help me, and, and, and God's there. Or, you're out at a construction site, or you're at the campus, or you know, you're a stay-at-home mom, and you're going, help, help. with these, and, and God's just working and moving. There's nothing like it. I love that. I don't know how long it took me before I finally figured out there is a connection when, metaphorically, my hands are just down here. It's not that I don't believe in God. It's just that there's this, there's this distance that happens to fit in sometimes. There's this, there's this cooling off. It, if I really must be honest with you, there's like, I can handle this on my own. It's, it's even, it's like the two-year-old, I'd rather do it myself. You know, I can, this is, this is in, in my boundaries. I can handle this. And it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it's weeks and months. But there's a, there's a, a subtle shift that starts to come in the tide of, of the way my life goes. And for some reason, it takes a while, but I'll finally wake up and I'll go. Don, what in the world? What's happened here? Why are you acting this way? Why is life going this way? What in the world's going on? And it, it's no more than me taking a look at where my hands are. they I've measured my 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 reach. When I have my, my arms up, they don't go up quite as high as they used to, but I can almost get up to eight feet. If I could jump, I could dunk the ball. But um, it. It gets, when my hands are down, they're, they're about 30 inches from the ground. They're just, it's not that huge of a distance from the, the top of where my hands can go to where, it's not that long, It's not that far. But it's, it's huge spiritually. It is such a big difference. God help me to, I can handle this myself. I can handle it myself. So you start to ask this question. Why in the world, if that's the case, if our hands are up and we're seeking God and things are going well and there's, there's, you know, the tide of the battle is going in our favor, and God's favor, and when we are down we're losing and it's, it's not good, why in the world would we ever let our hands come down? Why would we ever put our hands down? What are we thinking? Why would we ever do that? Well, there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. But verse 12, I think, hits it right on the head. With Moses. It says, when Moses' hands grew tired. When Moses' hands grew tired. I mean there's all kinds of reasons for prayerlessness. And anybody that's followed Jesus for very long will tell you there are seasons in their life when, when you become prayerless I and mean, you, when you let your hands fall down. But here's the main reason. They just, your hands get tired. Fatigue sets in. It, it's not crisis that causes me to quit praying. Crisis causes me to pray more. I mean, about seven years ago, I went through a thing with a spinal cord injury. Let me tell you, I prayed. You know, when Paul talks about pray ceaseless, you know, without ceasing, constantly, that was me. Day in, day out, there was nothing wrong with my prayer life then. God, if you'll ever get me out of this bed, if you'll ever get me out of this wheelchair, if I can, I mean, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed People prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. But, you know, about five years into it, you're thankful I'm out of the wheelchair. I'm out of the crutches. But I'm not where I I once was. And I'm still praying. You know, Johnny Erickson, who who was a, a quadriplegic, who is a quadriplegic, says she prays every day for God's healing. I do too. I did for a while. There was a season when I just said, I'm tired of this. God, are you going to do anything or not? Because I'm tired of asking. I'm tired of seeking. I'm tired of knocking. I'm tired of this. I'm just fatigued. I believe in you. I love you. I, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to have an eternity without you. I believe you can, I believe you can, I believe you can do other prayers and answer other prayers and do more. I still believe. I just I'm just tired of asking for myself. Fatigued. Tired. Moses' arms were tired. He's normal. He's a human, and he's 80 years old, and his arms are tired. I don't know. Am I the only one that's ever been disappointed in, in prayers that were being offered? Am I the only one that would say I prayed for something for weeks and weeks and weeks? Maybe some of yours. I prayed for something for months, for years, for decades, and I'm just tired, fatigued. I hope more than what I'm saying you can just get this image of Moses, this guy with his hands up before the Lord. But unfortunately his hands come down to the side. Your hands today are either up or down. But here's what I love about Moses. When his arms were down and he was fatigued something very interesting started to happen. If you continue on in verse twelve, when his hands grew tired, it says they took a stone and put it under him, and he, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other side, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So his arms are too tired. When they're up, they're winning. When they're down, not so good. And he's tired. He can't get up. He can't get his arms up there anymore. And here comes his 83 year old brother and his probably 83 year old brother in law, and they sit underneath him and they they hoist his arms up for him. And they say, Moses, we're here with you. Moses, you are not alone in this thing. Moses, we're going to stay until the battle's done and the victory's been won. We're with you all the way through this thing. You're not alone, we're part of you. And we'll hold you up. When your arms get tired, do you have that operational in your life? I mean, you know to pray, you know to ask for God, but when your arms are tired and your faith is getting low and your, your tank is about empty, most people who have gone through a season like this that are following Christ will somewhere along the line find somebody that's an Aaron or a her in their life and say, Hey, I need some help. I don't need you forever, I just need you for a little bit. Would you help me carry this? It's too big for me. It's too much for me. I noticed that in your announcement time, you have, we have community groups coming up, which we're going to be a part of. And um, I'm I'm kind of like Jared. Usually, I would say stuff like, "Hey, if you can get in a community group, you know, it'd be great. It's good fellowship. We we'll have fun, that kind of thing." I'm 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 a little more in your face now. You you need a community. You need a community because your arms get tired on your own. If you're trying to follow Jesus in our world, in our culture, all by yourself, good luck. It's not going to happen. You need somebody to come up and say, your faith may be low, you may be going through this huge struggle, but we're with you. You're not alone. We're part of a family. We're part of a community, and we're going we're to hold up. So when that happens to you, who do you turn to? See what's happened in our culture is is the church has become such a consumer thing that we just bop around to whoever has the greatest show every week, and for Sunday for an hour or Saturday night for an hour, if you have a smoke machine and fireworks and loud music, it's wow we've been to church. But what happens to the rest of the week? It it almost it, that's almost secondary to this. We're we're a community that says we're going to follow Christ and we're going to get through this thing together, and I'll die for you. I'll lay it on the line for you. I'll lay it down for you. I'm with you. Whatever happens to you, I'm there. And if you don't find somebody like that, you're gonna somewhere along the line get so tired and so fatigued that you just give up and you quit. You don't need a huge Sunday morning to have a two or three people that will say, I'm there for you forever. Aaron and her were there. I want to I encourage you if, you, if you don't have an Aaron in or her, to find a, a, a you, The first group you're in may not work, but somewhere, it may not even be in your community group, but somebody that's there. Or there might be a Moses that you look at and you say, you know what? Moses needs me to come along and help lift that arm up a little bit. I can tell just by looking at him or her. She's tired, she's fatigued. I, I need a group, you need a group that says, we're, we're going to be with you. We're going to hold your arms up. And your marriage could be going through a huge battle. And you don't know if you're going to make it, but we're holding your arms up and we're asking God to help. And we're going to be there with you. And we're going to fight for you until the tide of that marriage battle turns around. We're with you. We know you're going through a challenge at work and we know it's tough at work and we know that it's hard for you even just to get up on a Monday morning and hit there again, but we're going to hold your arms up and we're going to pray for you and we're going to ask God to turn the tide of that challenge at work. We know you're going through a physical thing. The doctor's report is horrible, but we're with you and we're going to hold your arms up. We're with you every step of the way. And as, as Aaron and her Just kind of held Moses' arms up. It continued on until that very last verse in verse 13. The sun is setting, and all of a sudden it says, the victory was won. I mean, it wasn't just some drive-by prayer, but it was the victory that happened. Joshua and all those, all the all the soldiers battled to victory. And now, as that big sun is setting, they're coming back and they're exhilarated from the victory of it all. And here's these three old guys sitting up there, you know, (laughs) barely able to hold their arms up, trying to hold one another. And they're just not only not exhilarated, they're exhausted. But they look down, and I I would think Joshua would look up and and point at them, and they're, you know, they're trying to point back down at them. They're going, "We won this thing," and Joshua's going. We won it because you guys prayed. And they're going, we prayed and you guys won it. You fought, you did the battle, but it's together. And there's, there's times in the church when you'll be active and you'll be the one that, that's fighting the fight. And there'll be times in the church when you can't fight the fight, but you can pray. But we need each other through this whole process. And in it, there's victory on the other side. As we close today, I don't know where you are. This might just be a reminder that the rhythm of life is is at least two things that that when when prayer becomes like your breath You, you breathe in and you breathe out. It's a sacred rhythm that the, the tide of your life reflects that and When the rhythm of your life is community with God's people when there are people that that you are connecting with That there's that there's life. That's breathed in That there are those that come alongside you and are there and it's just a reminder. You know that It's just a reminder to get that rhythm going again. For some of you, you're saying, you know, i got to tell you, my my arms have been on my side, or they've been like this for for many years. I've been trying to do it on my own. I've been trying this all. And I just want to ask you, how's that working for you? I mean, really, how's that working for you? It might be working great, but I'll tell you somewhere along the line, you're going to face something that you can't handle it on your own. You're not designed to handle it on your own. You're designed with a creator who is there to supernaturally help you. And you're designed to have a community that will come alongside. We're gonna take communion as as you always do every week. It's, it's, It's Jesus saying, hey, are you weary? Are you tired? Are you heavy laden? Come unto me, I'll give you rest. And the bread is his body that's broken. When you talk about somebody laying down their life, he laid down his life. He broke his body for us. The cup is is his his blood poured out that says, I love you. I have a covenant of love with you. I love you. If you never do anything for me, I just love you because I love you. I'm I'm God and I love. And I love you so much that I want to be a part of your life. And as you take that bread and as you take that cup, it's a reminder again, Lord Jesus, come into me as as I eat this bread, as I drink this cup. Would you come and live within me? I' want to add one more little thing to what you're doing. You can do both and or not at all. I'm going to be over here, and Jared's going to be over here, and uh, if, if, you're, if your arms are down and you're tired and you just need to say, "Help me God," I'd, I'd like you to invite you just to come have a word of prayer with us. And this is, this is how we're going to do it. We anointed the little children with oil because the oil is symbolic of God's spirit. And we, if we come, we just anoint you with oil. And if you would do just um, two words, your first name, even if we know you, your first name, and one word of what you want prayer for. Wisdom, relationships, help, health, family. Uh, I want to I follow Jesus, or whatever. Just one word. We're not going to counsel you. We're not going to pray forever. We we'll pray for you, your one name and your one word. If you'd like to do that, now is the time to get your arms out of your side and up to heaven and let Him do something supernatural. When you come to church, if you can be in community with one another and you can be touched by the presence of God, you've been the church. You pray with me, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this Old Testament story that reminds us again. Uh, of how, how vital it is to seek you, to accept the invitation, to, to ask and to knock and to, and to come to you. So, Lord, as we as we come to the table today, thank you that you would love us that, that much. I pray that as we take the bread and we take the cup, that you would be glorified in our midst, and we'd be strengthened from it. As those would respond to you, that maybe for the first time in their life. They're saying, I'm going to raise my arms up to heaven and ask God to come into my life. Whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time, would you hear our prayers, touch our lives. We give these moments to you as we reflect and we respond in Jesus' name. Amen.